So, Anissa, are you an extrovert or an introvert? Well, according to the Myers-Briggs test I took, I got something like 70% introverts and 30% extrovert, and I think that's pretty accurate. I mean, I know I'm definitely more of an introvert because for the most part, I recharge by being alone. But there are occasional times when I get energy from being around other people and I actually enjoy networking events. What about you? I think you've mentioned to me before that you feel like you're an introvert, right? Yeah, I've never taken an official assessment like that, or if I have, I don't remember what it said, but I feel kind of more naturally inclined to be an introvert. I hate networking <laughs> events. I can't understand why anybody enjoys those. I don't consider myself to be like particularly gregarious and on my own, like I would often opt to like spend time alone or in small groups, but and you know I kind of prefer like one-on-one -on -one conversations. And there's a lot of evidence though that could be used in favor of me being an extrovert, especially in my professional life. Like I frequently moderate panels and lead large meetings, and I interview a lot of people, and I've even been like a guest on TV and radio, and those are pretty like extroverted activities. How do you think being an introvert affects the way you work? Well, I think. You know, because I'm kind of more naturally inclined to be an introvert, but my job demands that I take part in a lot of like extroverted activities, I need to kind of balance those two parts. And so I need to like time to recharge and I need days, um, you know, where I'm not on and I can just like put headphones on and get work done. What about you? Yeah, it's weird because I've always worked in open plan offices. So I know that some people find it really frustrating. And for me, I feel like I'm just used to it. And I know some people who are introverts who can't stand working in open plan offices. And they've actually changed careers and became freelancers. Oh, and, wow. Yeah, that's you know, a solopreneurs big, yeah. because of that. But that being said, I know there are times when I really need to be curled up in my own little hole. Like if I'm writing a story, I'm way better when I'm working alone. And if I'm feeling emotionally overwhelmed or I'm going through something difficult, I don't want to talk to anyone. I just want to do my work. And, you know, I can only really be around people that I know well. Like, I can't be around someone where it takes energy for me to talk to them. Uh, but I know that for some of my friends, they, they need to go out. Like, if they're feeling stressed, they need to be around people, and that's how they get their energy. Yeah, I guess it's maybe it, it tells you which you are based on, like, left to your own devices, what would you choose? Like, would you choose, like, being around people, or would you choose, like, sitting alone with a book? And I would yeah, probably yeah. choose sitting alone with a book, <laughs> quite too. honestly. Me you too. know. Well, and I think the thing is, too, it's kind of like, uh, you know, a lot of people aren't either one or the other. They kind of fall somewhere in the, the spectrum, somewhere mm -hmm. in the middle. And I, I guess I probably feel like that the most myself, because I do love doing a lot of, like, I do love talking to people and leading meetings, and I don't, um, because I've done it so much, I don't get that much stage fright when I do, like, public speaking, but I would prefer to sit with a book. So I think um, I would probably categorize myself as an ambivert, and I think that a lot of people probably would, which is, like, part extrovert, part introvert, right? Yeah, and I think that one of the most important things we need to establish and that we will talk about in this podcast is it's not a black and white category, and everyone needs to embrace where they are on the scale, if they want to be happy and productive. It seems like a really simple thing to do to embrace it, but as we'll learn, it can be quite hard, especially when the world teaches you or tells you that one might be better than the other. Welcome to Secrets of the Most Productive People, a productivity podcast where we talk about how to work smarter instead of harder and figure out just how to get it all done. I'm Fast Company Deputy Editor Kate Davis. And I'm Fast Company Assistant Editor Anissa Purbasari Horton. This week, we're talking about introverts and extroverts. How do you know if you're one or the other? What are some myths or misconceptions that a lot of people have about them? And how do they affect the way you work? So I think we should start off by talking about what most people think when they hear the word extrovert or introvert. 
Yeah, for sure. So based on a lot of our previous coverage on this topic, many people think that the difference between introverts and extroverts are that extroverts are outgoing and introverts are shy. But we know from our research that that perception is not true. No, it's not. It's about how you draw your energy and also how you respond to stimuli, 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 or which <laughs> introverts are more sensitive to. So us introverts have a higher state of arousal, so we don't tend to seek out we don't tend to seek out novelty and unfamiliarity as much as our extroverted peers do because they need more stimulation to get their brain to reach that level of normality. And so let's take an example of exercising. So whatever form it takes is supposed to make you feel good, right? But for an introvert, the stress that they get from having to play a team sport might override whatever good feeling they prefer exercising alone. But then an extrovert might find running really boring and they need to be around other people to get that same level of, you know, post-run high or whatever. Yeah, that, that kind of explains why some people get bored in environments that are predictable and routine, whereas other people thrive in environments like that. And I know that I'm the latter, like I need, I need routine and I don't, yeah, it's hard, it's hard for me to focus in like crazy changing everything. Yeah. And I think uh, for ages, I mean, I'm the same as well. And I really went against that nature. Like I also for ages asked myself, why is it that I prefer going to the gym alone when a lot of my friends prefer going to group classes or playing team sport? And I continue to do that for so long and I wish I didn't because I think I would have worked better if I just em- embraced my introverted nature. So, like, what kind of things were you doing exactly? So I was a really shy person as a kid, and I feel like I'd get all these messages that if you want to be successful, no one would take you seriously. So in college, I went to a lot of parties I didn't really want to go to. I, like, made myself join organizations and even ran for president, and I attended lots of conferences. And I had fun in some of them, but there would be some days when I would be so overwhelmed that I just need to lock myself in my room and eat lunch by myself. And if I was at a conference, I'd feel really bad that I wasn't out there socializing and networking, and I felt like I was somehow a failure for wanting to be alone. But in reality, I was just recharging my batteries, and I realized that I was never shy when it came to talking to one-on-one with other people. And I felt like if I just embraced it, my 20-year-old self would have been less stressed and way happier. Yeah, it's true. I think I was the same way. And I I mean, there's a lot to be said for like stepping out of your comfort zone I think you know Mm -hmm. I think you shouldn't just like do what what feels comfortable never take risks like you you know that that probably helped you in your career a lot but I'm the same way where I hate networking events and I would get really overwhelmed and I would find that I would just like hang out by the food or something and talk to one person yeah um but there's nothing wrong with that I think in like putting yourself out there but realizing who you are and making those one-on-one connections and I think that the reason why we think it's bad is because a lot of times we have traditionally associated extrovert traits with success. Yeah. So there's this like picture of uh, the charismatic leader and we think like CEOs are like, charismatic and outgoing and they give inspirational speeches rather than being like methodical or shy or research based or like quietly doing their work. And, you know, there's there's evidence that it's those that sort of CEO, that sort of leader can be really successful, too, and, and maybe not be the biggest risk taker and be the kind of safer bet to lead a company. Yeah, exactly. And although there's evidence to show that there are more extroverts that go into leadership positions, there's no evidence to show that they're better leaders. Sure, they might be better at getting their team all revved up and inspired, but they might not necessarily be as emotionally attuned to their team's feelings and moods the way their introverted managers are. So it does seem like a lot of workplaces reward people for being an extrovert. So this episode's You Might Want to Write This Down is How to Succeed and Get Noticed at Work as an Introvert. So press pause and get a pen ready because you might want to write this down. 
Number one, leverage your powers of observation. So introverts generally tend to be better listeners and more keen observers than extroverts. So use those tendencies to know when someone is losing interest or ask the right questions to find out what really matters to your boss, clients, or colleagues. Number two, understand how to plan around your work style. If you're an introverted leader, you're probably not naturally good at always being visible or holding a lot of meetings. So try not to crowd your calendar with more meetings than you can handle so that you can be on and at your best when it matters most and not end up with meeting fatigue. Number three, lean on your research skills. A lot of introverts are really good at digging deep into research, which is really useful in lots of work situations. So come to a meeting armed with some background info, and this will make you look more prepared and give you something solid to talk about if you'd naturally feel hesitant to speak up. This episode of Secrets of the Most Productive People is brought to you by Citrix. Chances are you've attempted to declutter and organize your home or office, but what about your digital clutter? Well, Citrix has us covered. With Citrix Digital Workspace, every file and app is in one place, so you can easily find what you need to knock out your never-ending to-do list. With Citrix, your work life can be as tidy as your home life. Learn more at citrix.com fastco. And that is a good place to introduce our next guest. Susan Kane is the best-selling author of Quiet, The Power of Introverts in a World That Can't Stop Talking, a book which we've named as one of our best business books of the year in 2012. She's also one of Fast Company's most creative people in business, and her TED Talk, The Power of Introverts, has been viewed over 20 million times. A former lawyer, she currently runs Quiet Revolution, a company that focuses on the education, lifestyle, and work of introverts. You can find out more at quietrev.com. Uh, hi, Susan. Thanks so much for joining us. You're kind of the, the expert on introverts and extroverts and everything in between. So we have a lot to learn from you, I think. Well, hello. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. Yeah. So I just want to start with what are some misconceptions that people have when they think about introverts and extroverts? Yeah. Um, you know, there's really a lot of misconceptions. And I would say that the the first and most fundamental one is the the notion that introverts are somehow misanthropic, you know, don't like people. Um, and in fact, there, there really is no difference between the degree to which an introvert or an extrovert is likely to be kind of warm and affectionate and liking of people like, you know, as a group, they're sort of equally likely to be that way. The, the difference really is just in how they tend to express that kind of warmth or lack thereof, depending on the person, because extroverts, um, prefer situations where there's a lot of stimulation there's kind of more more hoopla um extroverts will want to socialize with people in that kind of a way you know so at a party or um in some kind of an all-hands session um and because introverts like situations that are quieter they would rather get their their warmth and their connection um in quieter settings usually you know so they'd rather have the glass of wine with a friend or the one-on-one meeting with a close colleague as opposed to the all hands. So it sounds like, and you know, we, we hear a lot about that of like introverts are shy and extroverts are outgoing, but what about people who feel like, and I feel like this is a lot of people who feel like they're kind of not one or the other who um, think they're ambiverts or think they're kind of somewhere in the middle or like a lot of people around sometimes, but like to be alone sometimes. Can you explain how that works? And do you what do you think about how people lie on the spectrum or if there is a spectrum? Yeah, absolutely. So that's a really important question. And just before I get into that, I just want to say one thing, um, which was kind of embedded in your question, which is that there really actually is a difference between shyness and introversion. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so shyness is more about 
the kind of um, a sensitivity to social judgment, a fear of social judgment. Um, you can be an extrovert who's shy, you can be an introvert who's shy, or vice versa. And I do think that it's worth thinking about shyness because, especially in our workplaces, you know, there's such a it's 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 almost the last acceptable bias in yeah. a way, um, you know, that you should never be shy. And and you know, when when you kind of dig into the data, you find that that's really misplaced because shyness is associated with loyalty and conscientiousness and and the kind of thoroughness and a work approach and so on. So that's that's an aside. Yeah, <laughs> that's really interesting though, and that fits to the the question that Anissa asked about misconceptions because that you brought up that an extrovert can be shy. Can you explain how that is? Oh, yeah, very much so. So, I mean, extroversion is really about, you know, wanting to be in situations that are just kind of more stimulating, like more, I don't mean intellectually stimulating, I mean, just sort of more inputs coming in at you at any given time. And and that's because of the way they're wired and introverts are wired in a way where we kind of react more to stimulation, we kind of overreact. And so we'd rather have things quieter. So, um, you can be an extrovert who is really craving all that stimulation and you're craving it in the form of social life and you love to have people around you, but that has nothing to do with whether you also tend to feel judged by people or, you know, before you get to know them, how long does it take you to feel comfortable? So it can actually, you know, there, there can be a real kind of inner conflict if you're a shy extrovert because you're simultaneously um, craving people around at all times, but also having to kind of you know, fight through the anxiety until you get to your comfort level. Oh, that, um, yeah, that that I mean, that makes sense, even though you would never think it that way. But that's yeah, that's really interesting. You know, so many people um, say that they're shy. You know, the, mm-hmm. the studies say that it's fifty percent of people. I can tell you because I'm like, you know, the world's great confessor of how people actually feel as opposed to how they present, you know, that so many people come up to me and they appear to be the most socially smooth and confident people, but they tell me how they really feel. And, you know, very unlikely people also feel shy. So yeah, I just think it's something we should all kind of talk about more. That, I mean, that's, that's true because that speaks to kind of the public face that you put on. Like I, I was telling Anissa earlier that I feel like an introvert, but a lot of people are surprised by that because I do a lot of public speaking and, you know, it doesn't seem like I am an introvert, but like, honestly, that's not my comfort zone, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And you're not alone. I mean, <laughs> it feels to me like more people are like, I would describe themselves the way you just did than not. So, so yeah. let's, so let's talk about ambiverts then and but, the people who kind of feel, yeah. yeah, that feel that they're not one or the other. They they're somewhere in between. How does that work? Yeah. Okay. So first of all, it's worth saying that in some ways, that word could apply to almost everybody, mm-hmm. you know, which is to say that like there, there's nobody who's always introverted, always extroverted. You know, we, we of course have different persona that we take on in different situations, depending on who we're with or what the role is and so on. Um, so I, I think that's worth saying. I, I think that these categories of introvert and extrovert are incredibly illuminating, but that we also shouldn't make prisons out of them, right? Or, you know, um, be limiting with them. And then having said that, so there are people who would still say, well, in general, I tend to be more this way or the other. And then there there really is this other category of people who feel like, no, I'm really pretty much in the middle. You know, I'm not like the, the person who's always raring to go, always looking for the inputs all the time. But I also do crave a certain amount of that you know I'm, I'm kind of in the center and lots of people describe themselves this way and there are starting to be emerging studies about it and 
Um, one, one study actually found that the most successful salespeople tend to be ambiverted because, mm, interesting. you know, it makes sense when you think about it. It's like they're, they're extroverted enough that they make the sale happen, they can close the deal and so on. They're introverted enough that they can step back enough to kind of listen and ask lots of questions and, uh, and really find out what the other person wants to know. I don't want to be stereotypical here because, of course, introverts can close deals and extroverts can listen, you know, yeah. of course. Um, but, but we have these tendencies, right? And, and if you're somebody who really tends to kind of hew to the, the center there, that, that can be an enormous um, benefit. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and, you know, you also mentioned earlier that being shy is kind of the last acceptable bias in the workplace. I want to move on to how the modern workplace caters to introverts and extroverts. Do you think it's more suited to one type of personality than the other? Oh, gosh. Well, I absolutely um, believe that it, it is more suited to extroverts. That's the bad news because it would be good for it to be suited to all. Um, the good news is that that is starting to change slowly but surely just as there's more awareness of this issue i mean i go around now and i'm constantly speaking at uh, at all kinds of companies so first of all just the fact that companies are interested in bringing in a speaker on this topic that in and of itself is a gigantic change from 10 years ago where i don't think that existed but you know i i think people really get it and i see it especially at companies where um, where the creative side is really important, or um, companies where the quantitative side is really important, you know, so in tech or big pharma and so on, you know, th those companies tend to have lots of introverts, and you get this kind of weird mismatch where very often the culture is quite extroverted, it rewards extroverted behaviors, you know, in the form of you should be self-promoting, you should be speaking up and commanding the room at meetings and so on. So you've got that on the one hand, but then you also have staffs that are, in some of these cases, largely introverted. So there's a sort of mismatch between who the employees are and what the culture is rewarding. So what um, what can yeah. leadership or, or management do in a situation like that where they would naturally um, reward extroverted behavior? And that sounds like it's just every workplace, right? Like the people who get um, noticed are the ones that speak up in meetings. The people who get promotions and raises are the ones that know how to advocate for themselves. So, like, how how can management then like recognize the the leadership qualities in people who don't speak up for themselves? So, first of all, when talking about leadership, which is a specific thing, before I even answer your question, it's just worth saying that there actually are a lot of studies finding that that introverts are often passed over for leadership positions, but when they're not, and when they um, when they are selected for those positions, they actually deliver great outcomes, um, in some cases, better outcomes. And, you know, and if you look around um, Silicon Valley in particular, but really all over, you, you see so many uh, introverted leaders. But in terms of what can you do, you know, that's a really deep question because there's so much to do. Uh, one thing is thinking about meetings, like how, how do you run meetings um, and what are you doing to make sure that you're actually hearing from everybody at the table because there, there was a study out of the Kellogg school that found that in your typical meeting, you have three people doing 70% of the talking. Oh my God. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. so that's familiar. A, yeah. Right. That's a shocking statistic, but it's also like, Oh yep. 
Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, know, I know who those three people are. <laughs> exactly. It's like it's shocking and it's not shocking at all, right? Yeah. <laughs> and that's a disaster for everybody because you, you want to hear everybody's ideas. Mm-hmm. But so, then, like, the scariest so, thing, too, wouldn't it be, you know, the person who doesn't want to speak up going, so, Anissa, what do you think of that idea? Yeah, exactly. You know? Like, yeah. that's not great for introverts either. So it's like, how do you balance that? So there are things that you can do, you know, for example, techniques like like brain writing, where if you have an important question, you have everybody think about it and then write down their ideas and their thoughts. And then you might have a facilitator who puts those thoughts up at the front of the room for everybody to consider. And so now you've just removed the entire dynamic of having to jockey for a position or other techniques like at Amazon, um, famously, apparently people when when they gather for a meeting that the person leading it has to prepare a really thoughtful in-depth memo beforehand and then they all sit around and read it for the first half hour together in silence and then only after that do they start talking about it and those are techniques that are good in general for just drawing out a, a smarter discussion and they happen to be good for making sure that you're hearing from everybody um so, so those are just a couple of examples but there's kind of a countless list of of things, of, of tweaks that you can make that are not that hard, that are, in, are, that are in everyone's interest, and that would go a long way. So what about when you are the introverted or extroverted employee and your office doesn't work for you? So I'm thinking like introverts working in open office plans or extroverts yeah. who have to work remotely by and, you know, work completely by themselves. Like what can you do when your work environment is the opposite of how you prefer to work? So, you know, the first thing is before you even take a job, you should be evaluating that aspect of the cultural fit just as deeply, holding it as just as important as, you know, the way you might think about your your salary and your role and all kinds of other things, because it really matters. But once you're there, what can you do? You need to make sure that you are giving yourself the tweaks you need so that you can be operating in your sweet spot. So if you're the extrovert craving stimulation, um, you know, make sure you're calling a friend or, or um, meeting up with somebody for a coffee break or, you know, whatever you need to do to kind of get your fix that makes you feel um, that much more alive. You want to be getting that not out of some form of self-indulgence, but because it's actually going to make you work better and it's going to make you more present for everybody. Um, and then the same thing is true, let's say if you're an introvert working in a noisy open plan office, you know, you, you, you might feel guilty taking that solo walk around the block several times a day, a day but that's probably going to make the difference between you being present and productive or not. Um, and then there are also kind of subtle things that you can do, like even just having like a coat rack ne- next to where they're sitting and, and a coat sitting next to them kind of creates in your brain um, an illusion of some kind of form of separation, some for- form of privacy. You're not going to get real privacy in an open plan office. So instead, you can you can look for the kinds of, um, of hacks that make your brain feel as if you're getting it a little bit. And that can just make a difference in your emotional life. I really think headphones are like the best thing for open offices. <laughs> the last question I want to ask is, how can one learn to identify their strengths as introverts or extroverts and embrace them and leverage them in the workplace? One of the great things that you can do is look for people around you in your workplace or in your field or what have you 
um, who you feel like have a temperament like yours and people you admire and pay attention and see what are those people doing that works well. You know, and I'll tell you in, in my own case, I actually did this when I first started my career as a public speaker and, and I thought, well, you know, I'm not like a, a grandstanding showman of a speaker. Um, and so I sort of looked around and, and, I noticed people, like one of my favorite examples is Malcolm Gladwell. He describes himself as an introvert and um, and he's an incredible speaker and with a very kind of thoughtful and understated approach. Um, and he just sort of makes it work by telling compelling stories and so on. And you start paying attention to people who are doing things in a way that you think you could do them too and, and channel those people when you need to. And that's kind of the first step. And then the second one, of course, is paying attention to your own strengths and noticing, well, when is something working well? I've had many really successful introverted leaders who have told me that the secret to their sauce was realizing that they were great at forming one-on-one -on -one connections and alliances in their companies and really making those work for them. And so they would say, you know, I know I'm not going to be the one kind of commanding the room naturally but I'm really good at developing these deep alliances and and bringing people together and and so that's what's working for me um, and so I you know I think a lot of it is that kind of self-awareness great I think that's all the questions we had uh, thank you so much for taking the time to chat to us today you are so welcome thank you for having me so this coat rack idea, interesting, for an open plan <laughs> When office. she said that, I just thought about, like, building a fortress around your I know, cubicle. Right? Yeah. No, it's like, you know, one of those dividers that you have in a studio mm -hmm. apartment, mm -hmm. and it's kind of like, like a the screen. Same. Yeah, folding and screen. And I was just thinking, we do have a lot of introverts in the office. Like, our team is mostly introverts. And so now I'm imagining, like, this little fortress and this little kind of divider. <laughs> I mean, I really seat. do feel like headphones are supposed to be that. Yeah. But I'm surprised by how many times I'll have... I, I, feel bad calling everybody out in the office for this but I'll have like headphones on and I'm like very obviously working on something people just like sidle up to my desk like hey what's going on or I have a question I'm like isn't it very clear that I know I'm, it's like know. we have slack <laughs> I know you have to you have to wear one of those really huge headphones I think it I guess to be like yeah. really obnoxious so that it's kind of saying don't disturb me <laughs> but I think I, I think the one of the most interesting things that she said which it, again like it was one of those things that made sense once she explained explained it but at first you're like no that doesn't make sense was the extroverts can be shy yeah and and then it's like but no extroverts aren't shy that but that and it kind of talks to that like that public facing like oh I like to be around people but I'm like worried about that they're judging me mm -hmm. and, and yeah that was really it makes a lot of sense I mean shyness is about shame yeah. to an extent right yeah. and extroversion and introversion has nothing to do with that it's yeah. literally just about your preference and how you get energy so that makes sense but I also liked the the um, ideas that she had for meetings because it's so true when she said what was it like 70% of the talking is done mm -hmm. by like three people you can totally see that but how do you because you know like I said like the worst thing you can do is like oh this person's not talking let me put them on the spot and exactly. call on them yeah but but making everybody be more thoughtful because probably the people who do all the talking aren't necessarily having the best ideas you know they're just like oh I'm 
I'm yeah. talking and then I go on a tangent and then whatever, you know, and it's like, but if you want to actually simultaneously get everybody to contribute yeah. and get the best ideas out, the writing down and like yeah. quiet, thoughtful reflection makes the most sense. Yeah, I feel like one of the things that I think you've done this previously is to get people to think about particular things and then make them expect to kind of almost present it. And then for the introverts, it's kind of like, you know that you're going to present, so you probably will be more prepared. Yeah, which is also... And you've thought about it. Yeah, which is also a good... um a good reason to have an agenda. I mean, every meeting should have an agenda, but like knowing what your agenda is ahead of time, because that, yeah, that gives people time to prepare and think about what they're going to talk about. And, you know, even like, say you were, I would totally be fine with this. And I think you might've done this before is like, oh, can you bring up this at the meeting? Like maybe you don't want to talk about it. You don't feel comfortable talking about it, but you want it brought up, you know, you give it to the meeting facilitator and that person brings that up, you know? Yeah, exactly. And that's it for this week's episode of Secrets of the Most Productive People. Do you recharge by being alone, or do you need to be around a lot of people when you're feeling emotionally overwhelmed? Let us know using the hashtag FCMostProductive. Join us in two weeks when we'll be talking about how to train your brain to be more resilient to failure. In the meantime, you can find more articles about everything introverts and extroverts in the show notes below, and the three quick tips that we mentioned in the You Might Want to Write This Down segment. You can follow Fast Company on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. And don't forget to listen to our other podcast, Creative Conversation.